Welcome to the P4C Podcast. We are excited to reshare with you the last 13 years of teaching through God's Word at Passion for Christ Summit. Each week, the P4C Podcast delivers rich truths for your life, and we know you will be blessed. Our current series is from P4C 2020, Discipleship, Learning to Live in Grace. We now continue with part two from last week's message. We hope you are encouraged and challenged. Skip over to uh, Corinthians. I will. You can follow if you like. Be there just a second. First Corinthians six nineteen. I always go to Second Corinthians, and then I have to go backwards to First Corinthians. I don't know why. Six nineteen. First Corinthians six nineteen. It says, "Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit?" who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Now, I realize this is different. It's talking about your body is the Lord's. But we see here that we are not our own. We are not owners of our own selves. We, have, we are now God's. We belong to someone because of our salvation, because of what we share. And so you've been purchased with a price. You are not, you are not just your own to do whatever you wish and to say whatever you want. It's easy to talk about a topic and say whatever you want. But when it comes to this, the gravity of Scripture, Paul is speaking boldly because he knows what he believes and he has this relationship with God. And you know less so than Paul, by the way, have the same thing. Whether you feel bold or empowered, you've been commissioned. So whether you feel it or not, whether you feel bold or whether you feel empowered, you are empowered. Therefore, be bold. But we'll get more to that in just a second. You have been commissioned as a messenger for God. Therefore, don't waste it. Now, this spills over into other aspects of our lives because everything connects back to your relationship with Christ, right? Everything. Now that you're a believer, everything comes back to Christ. Your worldview is affected. Your decision to, I don't know, buy a car is affected. As, 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 as monetary as that sounds, it is affected. Your decision to start a relationship with someone is affected. affected. Your decision to making skills in general in life are affected by your understanding and confidence of your calling and who Jesus is in your life and what that means. I often will even be hesitant uh, in politics because I'll, I'll go to events for my boss and even more so my boss um, over the last year or so has uh, he well for two years he's had cancer and then it they were able to get rid of it and it's come back over the last few months and so I've spent the last several weeks in Texas speaking for him at events um, and that's that's been a bit of a switch for me um, but it's okay it's been it's been good and he's he's about to start a new treatment and so he's not able to get out amongst people especially uh, because of COVID if he were to catch COVID that would be horrible. He has a horrible immune system, so he's got to stay at home. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of these speaking engagements and speaking to people for him. It is sometimes I step into these situations and I'm, I'm hesitant, man. But even more so, I'm hesitant to speak a word for God in the midst of the places I'm at. If I'm speaking before a group, I'll stay on topic. I'll talk about it. But if their opportunity arises, I have a hard time coming out of my spiritual shell and being willing to step aside and say, hey, you know, we've been talking about this, have a relationship with this person, let me speak about something else. And it doesn't happen every day, by the way. It doesn't happen every day that I'm able to just say, hey, I have a word from the Lord. You know, I don't typically do that in groups. Um, It often meets with, you know, interesting responses if you do. So, uh, but everyone in my profession seems to have an understanding of God, or at least they know of a God. There's a God. These are most of the people I work with, even... On the, on the Republican side, which is where I find myself many times, because uh, I work for a Republican congressman, I, a lot of people have an understanding of God, or they go to church, or most people I've met say, oh, I belong to this church, or whatever. So it's not hard to strike up a conversation about something to do with Christianity. It's not. Everyone 
has a baseline from where, where I'm at to start from. You may not be the same. That may be different for you. But this, this unwillingness to do that keeps me from pursuing other things. Because you can't pursue a, meet, a meaningful, deep relationship with somebody, I find, if you're a believer, unless you're willing to share your faith with them. Because something's always holding back. We should be confident in what we believe. And the only way to become or possess a biblical confidence in what you believe is to study, dig into God's word, read more of it, communicate with him, walk with your God, seek him out. I'm going to go to Jeremiah 29, 13. I wrote down some of these and some of them I said, ah, I'll just look up. But in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says this, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all nations and from all places where I have driven you. He gives something here that we can latch on to through the prophet, prophet Jeremiah is that we have a relationship. And if you seek him, if you truly seek him, then you will be able to build that relationship. And if you build that relationship, there will come a, a confidence. Pride comes from knowing that you know more and being overconfident in that knowledge, even good knowledge. And there is good knowledge. But pride also comes from a general superior attitude, whether you have that knowledge or not. Some of us just naturally can be prideful. Just feeling that being a uh, Christian makes you something special, it does not. It should humble us. You are something special, by the way, but that specialness should humble you instead of creating an arrogance about who you are. As a child of God, we are special, but the specialness that we have by being a child of God should lead us to a place of humility. And I'll add, if you think you're humble, you should get married. Because you'll find out you're not very humble. Um, you'll find out how prideful you really are, and I found out how much grace my wife really has. Uh, but truly, just when you think you've got it, you're like, man, I'm doing better. Something will come along, God will put it in your path, and will remind you you're not really as humble. You need me. I have been this person, but I also have met prideful Christians. You probably have never been one of those, but you may have met one. Um, I've met them in groups and throughout my life. They're those people who think that they're God's gift to the world, and they have this sort of religious arrogance about them. Don't be that person. God's word says this, Matthew 16, 24, if any man will follow me, and different, different versions say it differently, but follow me or come after me or, or seek me or be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That doesn't sound like a very prideful situation, taking up your cross and following after him. What was it dad said last night, or Charles said in his thing last night, by what shall they know? You're my disciple. If you love one another, the humility that comes through having to serve and show love to others, that is the picture here we have of somebody who is confident in what they're able to say. It is because they have a relationship. But you only get to a relationship by actually investing in, seeking after, and knowing who your God is. Paul was chosen to represent God in his time to the church and abroad. And you, as his child, have also been chosen to be a messenger for God in whatever situation, in whatever industry you find yourself. Doesn't matter. You can be a plumber, you can be in politics, doesn't matter. You've been chosen by God 
to be a voice for him. Paul was. Um, actually, you look in Philippians 3, and I will flip there myself. I'm going all over the place, but it's helping because I'm going to helps me get to where I'm going. Philippians 3, verse 3, Paul says, For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And then he says, Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, man, I, he says, I have far more. <laughs> and then he tells you why. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a very prestigious tribe, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecuting the church, as to the righteousness which is the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. Paul here, if anybody should be prideful, I mean, we're going, come on, man, this is Paul. He can speak with boldness before the Oropagus. Of course he is. It's Paul. I'm not Paul. No, you're not Paul. But guess what? Paul knew his place. He knew that no matter what he had that counted in his favor, those things counted as much against him as anything else. They didn't matter because the most important thing was that he was saved. He was a believer in Jesus Christ. He had God leading him. And so do you. So it doesn't matter if you're not Paul. What matters is that you're focused on who has given you the same salvation that Paul had. And that is Jesus Christ. That's where your focus should be. Second thing I want to look at specifically under, uh, under these uh, verses is the context that Paul faced. And I think this is very important for us, for you and me. Each of us faces different contexts, but we all face the same context. Let me explain. Know your crowd, first of all. Paul uses the idolatry of the day to point them to the truth. He uses the context that he has been placed in. And so he uses the setting God is putting him to speak the bold truth. You and I can learn from this. No matter what setting or industry or type of friend group you find yourself in, you can and should use your context to preach or speak the truth. How much material we have been given in our day and time, by the way, in the moral relativism of our time. The last thing I want to touch on just briefly is the biblical ultimatum that Paul delivered to them. And that's verse 30 and 31. Um, skipping down a few verses uh, here, but if you look at verse 30 and 31, he hits them square between the eyes. He says, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Boom. That's your biblical ultimatum. He says, you've got it. This is it. You've got a choice here. Now I've told you about God through all these verses. I've explained things to you. I've explained who he is and how, why that matters. But let me tell you, in the end, none of it matters unless you repent, unless you get to where you're supposed to be going. He's nailing the truth to their minds. They cannot escape the reality of his bold words. Remind you, he, they, these guys are, these are smart guys. They're not just the, the run-of-the-mill people that he needs to walk them through every aspect of. Paul could give any message, but this was the moment, the context. The setting for this message, not just the message, but the way it was delivered and the gravity of their situation that Paul communicates. And by the way, that's not always popular. Look in verse 32. Now, when some of them heard of the resurrection of the dead, they began to sneer. And ah, uh, so what you have to say to people will not always be popular. MacArthur said Paul's evangelism method ends with a simple, powerful point. Tell them to repent or be judged. <laughs> in other times we have seen God's patience like in Nineveh but the message today was not that 2nd Corinthians 6 2 now is the day of salvation that's what Paul's saying to them today is it you got to repent because if you don't you're toast Paul knew whether God had communicated it to him beforehand or not and we're not told that he did 
But the possibility of rejection or worse was imminent and very possible in this body of leaders and politicians. They have a lot of power. Nevertheless, he delivered the message with passion and power. There was a readiness and a spontaneous confidence that only comes from an ongoing relationship with and communicating with his God. Paul's confidence should be the testimony that convicts us to be prepared no matter what, no matter what the situation, and even in uncomfortable and even unlikely places, be ready to speak, be ready to speak the truth. As it says in 1 Peter 3.15, be ready always to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Discipleship in the public arena today, I believe looks very different from what we may have often come to believe in the past or understand discipleship to be. For instance, you will hear people tell you this, Every year, every four years we hear this. This is the most important election of our lifetimes, right? Most important election. And I hate that phrase, by the way. It drives me crazy. I'm like, so was the last one. But this is the most important election of our lifetime. Let me tell you why. Because we can't go back to 2016 and we can't go back to 2008. We can't vote again. We can only vote now. Today, you and I, all we have, this is it. So discipleship is more important now than ever. Why? Because we can't go back and fix what we did. We can't go back and re-disciple people. We can't go back and save people 20 years ago or 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago. Today is the day. You must be what you were called to be today. Discipleship in the public arena today. The day is going to come that, that we must be ready to show who God is to those around us. To be ready to give an answer. I think it's today. It'll probably be tomorrow as well, by the way. But I believe that is today. Today in the broader sense. To be ready to give an answer, be it in paragraphs, long as, as we see Paul here in front of a crowd, or just a simple spoken truth to the reality of Christ. Your testimony, your witness, when you leave this earth will be defined by your relationship with God. But also the fruit you show in this life will be evident by how you answer for what God has revealed of himself to you. And... And, I might add, what he reveals to you will come as you deny yourself your desires and seek him. I'm just going to tell a brief anecdotal story. Um, and I've told before, and I don't think I've told it here in a long time, but I was on a plane coming back from, from uh, a conference, and, and uh, at the time I didn't have as many miles as I would like to have. And so I, I, was, I was flying southwest, which you understand means you get a middle seat because I was in C-section. So you're not in A and B, you're all the way. So I'm going to sit in the middle seat on this flight, and I already knew that going in. And my wife and my brother and some others who have traveled with me can tell you I don't talk to people when I get on planes. I put my AirPods in and I, or my headphones and I just zone in because I figure if I don't pay attention to you, you will less likely pay attention to me and I can just, you know, get in my own little world. And, well, I get to the back of the plane, which is obviously all that was left, and there's a middle seat. Okay. So I sit in the middle seat between two hefty guys and uh, I'm sitting, you know, like so, and, and, and I fell asleep. And when I woke up, my tray table was down. And there was a cookie and a glass of uh, Coke or something. And the guy beside me says, oh, I just thought you might want something. I said, oh, thanks, man. We began a conversation. And he was very easy to talk to. You've met those people. It just feels like you can share anything with them. We talked about his past, how he grew up, what he'd done. And he was very forthcoming. And we began to land. And it was a three and a half hour flight. We began to land. We talked for a long time. And he said, well, man, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to see you again. But it was great to meet you. And, and all the best. I hope things go well. And I thought, ah, I got to say something. And this guy has been so easy to talk to. And I stopped and I, oh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. And what's the worst he's going to do? Not talk to me again? 
<laughs> well, that's scary. <laughs> you know. And I pulled out my Bible at the time, which was my favorite Bible, actually. And I said, Sloan, I want to ask you something. I said, do you know who God is? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, I grew up Catholic, and I haven't been to church in years. My mom prays for me a lot. I said, oh, okay. Anyway, he's, he knew a general knowledge, and I said, well, let me tell you something. And I went through, as quickly as I ever have, and I don't know how I did it, I went through the gospel. I told him about Jesus, how he came to earth, and why he had to die, and he died for his sins, and he didn't believe me, he was going to spend eternity in hell. And I just went through the whole thing. And I said at the end, I said, look, I'm not going to ask you to pray a prayer or anything. I just want you to take this Bible. And he goes, okay. And he reached for it. I said, nope. I said, I'm not going to give it to you unless you promise me you'll read it. And he said, yeah, I'll read it. I said, nah. He said, okay, I'll, I'll spend some time reading it. So I handed him the Bible. Now, I don't say that to make myself look good. That was many years ago, actually, and I, I don't do that all the time. My, my point is this. You have opportunities to do and to be who God made Paul in this scenario. And many others. We could take several situations, many situations of Paul and others in the Bible. But you look at this one. This one is so clear. It's so concise. And Paul is so direct and bold. And that's what you must be. And so I just want to encourage you, don't wait for the, or settle, for the quiet moments with someone. Look for ways to be bold, to be open, to speak publicly. Maybe public speaking is not your gifting or speaking to people at all. <laughs> I really don't care. God did not call you to be a passive Christian. He called you to be bold and he called you to follow him. So I encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just pray for these, these men that are here and the, and the opportunity we've had to spend time together. I pray that you would in spite of my efforts, use your word for your glory and uh, cause each one of us to look to you in all things. And I pray that we would be bold uh, for the message of the gospel in, in our time that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have questions about P4C, visit our website at p4csummit.org or you can email us at info at p4csummit.org. We hope you can join us next week on the P4C podcast as we dive into a new session from Passion for Christ 2020. May God bless you as you seek to passionately live for His glory each and every day.